welcome back. This is the Cold Beer and Cold Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And this week, uh, we're back with a brand new movie, a couple of brand new beers that we've never tried. I know, the evening of the Oscars. And yes. here we are, Oscar talking night. about our movie. I know. It's not watching the Oscars. No, but, but talking about a movie that was not even nominated for an Oscar. Well, maybe next year. Maybe. But, you're right. It's 2018. But yeah, but we went and saw uh, crazy science fiction weirdness. Uh, we saw Annihilation. Yes. yes. That was definitely yeah. trippy. Yes. But also, I suppose we should have expected that since this came from the mind of Alex Garland, who also did Ex Machina. Yeah. That was uh, uh, another... Uh, kind of deep science fiction movie. I really liked Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into that here in a bit. But uh, as we discuss our our movie of the week, we also have a couple beers of the of the week. We do. So, Dustin, uh, what are you drinking? I am having, and you picked this out for me today. I did. It is called Frankenloo's IPA. It is from Seven Brides Brewing. Out of a smaller town here in Oregon, Silverton, Oregon. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked it up. About population about ten thousand people. So That's right. you ain't got to be in the big city to find a, a microbrewery. <clears throat> uh, Seven Brides was started by, according to their website, three dads and two uncles. The three dads had a combined seven daughters between them. They only have daughters. Uh huh. Hence right. the name. Uh, it didn't say whether or not it was a joke, but it does say on their website that they said that they needed to sell enough beer to be able to pay for seven weddings. <laughs> and so that is what this endeavor is all about. Each uh, a daughter has a beer named after her. Oh, wow. Apparently. So I assume that Frank and Lou's is, is one of them. I don't is think it? that's the name of the daughter, though. You don't think so? No. Maybe Lou is? Maybe Lou. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, it's... Uh, an IPA. It is on. It says on the bottle. This was their first IPA that they made. It was in response to certain to demands in quotation marks. <laughs> uh, they didn't make a bunch of it when, at first. Uh, they refer to it as a hop monster. They claim that they use enough hot hops in each batch of this IPA to make three of our other beers. It's seven percent alcohol by volume. It says it has hundred and five. Uh, IBUs. It kind of has more of a malty taste to it, though. Huh. Almost like a double IPA. But not as sweet as those tend to be. But, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not as much alcohol. So um, it's all right. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty good. It's not, uh, it wouldn't be the first thing I would look for. All but, right. Uh, you know, I found the story on the, the website pretty funny and interesting. And I... I like seeing uh, breweries popping up in small towns, you know, yes. and all have to be in Portland. So, yeah, not a bad IPA uh, from Seven Brides Brewing. Nice. Well, I am drinking the Son of Malice Imperial IPA. Um, and this comes from Heathen Brewing, which is a brewery in Vancouver, Washington. Mm-hmm. So just to the north of us. Um, I really like, I don't know if we've talked about a Heathen beer uh, before, but Heathen Brewing, they describe themselves as progressive ales for the promiscuous palate. Ah. 
So um, it's it's really good. It this I particularly like this one a lot. Um, double IPAs are kind of hit or miss for me. Right. Um, I often find them a bit too sweet, almost like the malt becomes an overpowering taste, and that's not the case in this beer. Um, it is um, 95 IBUs. So interesting. It has less IBUs than yours. Yeah. I'm beginning to wonder if a Mills calculation wasn't made. Was made there. Hmm. Um, they describe this as a full-bodied malt backbone. Dangerously balances the hops until the bitter finish kicks in and leaves a hoppy residue that you can scrape off with your teeth. <laughs> This okay. Imperial IPA has a sinister agenda that is best served at 50 degrees with malevolence. Oh, wow. Scary. All right, I know. Um, it's got a great combination of hops, uh, five or six hops with um, mal- that malty taste. So it is there. It's a smoother um, IPA, but it does still have that bite there. So I appreciate it. So yeah. um, versus the malt overpowering the hops. So I like this. I would definitely get this again, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds really good. I'll have to try that myself one of these times. I'm also really intrigued. Apparently, Heathen uh, Brewing has um, a winery. Oh. It's called Heathen Estates. Interesting. So I thought that was very interesting. And now I'm also intrigued. I'm going to start looking and keeping an eye out. For um, bottles of wine. Yeah, Heathen Winery. Although I don't know that I need to have stuff scraped off my teeth. (laughs) I don't know that I need that, but everything else sounds fine. Yeah, it's good. Good. Okay, well now that we know what we're going to be drinking during the course of the podcast, uh, really quick, some movie news items. Okay. The first one, I can't believe we didn't bring this, or I didn't bring this up, that's on me, uh, last week, is that uh, writer, uh, director, indie filmmaker... Uh, legend Kevin Smith uh, had a big health scare. I never seen the Clerks movies or Chasing Amy or Dogma, a bunch of his films. Uh, He had what sounded like a pretty scary heart attack. Um, He was doing a couple of kind of, I don't know if they call them stand-up gigs where he gets on stage and tells stories. Mm -hmm. And he was doing two in one day and it was like between them that he started feeling bad, ended up going to the hospital. Uh, A call that thankfully... He made because he said if I if I hadn't had somebody take me to the hospital I would have died. Ugh, that's so scary. It was, sounds pretty bad, but he's home. I mean I follow him on a couple of social media platforms and he's back home. I saw he had a picture of himself claiming he was on day two of being a vegetarian because <laughs> if you don't know who Kevin Smith is he's he's a big guy. Um, so yeah, but anyway I, I like Kevin Smith a lot. Uh, he's a good personality. He's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah I do too. Interesting, interesting movies, so I'm glad that he's okay. He always has a ton of enthusiasm about whatever project he's working on, or when you watch him um, in different... Like, he used to... Didn't he used to have, like, a movie review or a comic book review um, TV show? And he was just so in, excited and enthusiastic about things all the time. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so it seems to me like I hope that he is able to take care of himself and get maybe maybe get himself a little bit healthier yeah. um, and and that he lives a long life. So because he seems to be a really good guy. I also enjoy his movies quite a bit. 
Um, Dogma made me just laugh hysterically. I really liked Mallrats too. Mall oh yeah, Rats was pretty Mall funny. Mallrats is great. Yeah. That's... So, um, so I enjoy his movies. I enjoy him acting. Uh, you know, in the movies he acts in as well. So, um, take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a Clerks three in him. You know, fingers crossed. <laughs> I don't know how that one's going to play out, but okay. But, but I do remember um, like hearing from friends about the first Clerks movie. I had to rent it from a video store. And going to the local video store in my hometown and going to rent it. And the guy that owned it was like, oh, that movie's dumb. That's no good. And he tried to talk me into renting some horribly generic 80s ninja movie, part four ninja something or other. I was like, no, it's okay. I think I want to see this. And yeah, kind of opened my mind up to different because it was black and white and right. you know made for $40. So it kind of opened my mind up to different things movie-wise. So yeah, I hope he gets, hope he stays on a healthy track and gets better yeah all right so second thing and we you had a laugh at this at my expense what turned out to be what i first started off as really exciting news i know uh the next big like superhero film that we're looking forward to uh avengers infinity war moved up the release date a week because it was going to be the first weekend in may and now they're opening it up in april i know and i was like oh that is fantastic until i saw realized when this was you have a big weekend an like a trip trip i take with my friend chris and that's when it's planned for this year the weekend that it is now opening i know i did laugh um quite a bit and i was i yeah. i'm only slightly sorry for laughing but not not really I mean, it was literally like I saw that come across my Twitter feed and I was like, ah, it's in April now. That's fantastic. And I saw, oh, April. Oh, I'm not going to be here. (laughs) So we're going to have to see what we do about that. Um, There's a variety of things we might do. Mm -hmm. Um, One idea is that uh, we will just have to delay it a little bit and we take it back. Um, or perhaps I will be setting up and doing a podcast and uh, inviting a guest co-host to host it with me. I am doing a podcast about that movie <laughs> one way or another. So you can do that. I'll do a solo one later or something. Oh. But, uh, there yeah. we go. This this definitely files under hashtag marriage problems. Yeah. So. <laughs> But uh, I'm sure they did this, uh, I'm pretty sure, because like not too long after it released, its May release would be the Han Solo movie, and then the week after that is Deadpool. Mm-hmm. So I think they moved, they moved it up because by moving it up just that week, they get, like I think, three solid weeks of almost no competition. Right. Well, and you figure that um, they're still, they're riding this a great high off of Black, Black Panther, Panther right now. It's... Um, it's it's Black Panther's third week, um, just blowing its competition out of the water. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's doing so well, and that and it is really generating buzz for Infinity War. And I think that there is that moment to like when you see people's interest peaking, why continue to wait? Yeah, yeah. So the last thing, and I just saw this earlier tonight, since it's Oscar night. Uh, before the Oscars, there is also the Razzies. Uh-huh. And uh, the movie Baywatch apparently won in a Razzie. Oh, did it? <laughs> and accepting on behalf of Baywatch was The Rock. Oh. Now, he didn't appear in person, uh, but I guess he, like, he, had a, he posted a video of himself with the award trophy. That's hilarious. So even, I mean, he can't lose. 
even when he makes a horrible film, he still somehow he does that, and the world's like, "Oh, The Rock's the best." You, you gotta you have a good lose. sense of humor. If you're gonna make a really bad movie, you might as well be able to laugh about it. I mean, although I will say, uh, I think Halle Berry actually went there and accepted like on stage. Oh, that's true for uh, Catwoman. I, for Catwoman, I think Sandra Bullock did it once for something else too. So, but anyway, that's all I have uh, for for any movie news stuff this week. I know we might have some more interesting movie news. Uh, next week, once the Oscars are done and everything's been announced, right? we are still waiting for, you know, Best Picture. Oh, I did uh, see uh, coming across the laptop screen the winner for Best Director. Ooh. Uh, Guillermo del Toro did win for The All Shape right. of Water. Which he deserved. Yeah. He made a love story with a fish man. Totally believable. <laughs> okay. All right. So moving on to this week's movie... The hyper weird and super trippy, trippy uh, annihilation. Yes. So, do you want to maybe give us a quick summation? Spoiler alert! As we're gonna not gonna worry about whether we spoil this for you or not. If you've never listened to this podcast before, we don't care about those things. Right. We're gonna talk about the movie. Yep. Um. Yeah. So this movie is loosely based on a book. Yep. Um. And it follows predominantly um, the biologist. In the book, that's the only way she's referred to. In the movie, she's given the name Lena, mm-hmm. but, um, played by Natalie Portman. Yep. And essentially, Lena, uh, after her husband has been gone on a secret mission for a year and then returns and is sick, uh, she decides to join an expedition um, into... Uh, what is called the Shimmer or Area X, um, which is where her husband has been, mm. to figure out what happened, to understand maybe where he was and maybe why he's not doing so well. And on that expedition, he's joined by she is joined by four other women. And this movie is a weird, trippy, creepy, beautiful. Confusing confusing complex um story of what happens to them while they're in the shimmer um and then um you know ends on kind of an unknown note like you're not really sure i've read quite a bit about the different theories as to how it ends yeah um and i won't spoil the ending for you just yet but it is um it is it was a bizarre and yet compelling movie. Okay. So, I, um, I, yeah. I walked out of that movie and it, it, I'm still not exactly sure what I saw. Yeah, we walked out of there and I want to see even the next day we were like, so did you like it? I don't know. I still yeah. don't know whether I like it. I definitely have settled onto yes. Okay. I, and I don't know that I enjoy, I can't say I liked it. In the same way that I like other movies. Uh-huh. Um, but I am still thinking about it. Like, I'm still thinking about the movie and what I saw and the different parts of it. And I've been reading about it. And so I found it very compelling. Okay. And so definitely I have more positive feelings about it. Okay. So. I have kind of turned the other way. Of course you have. But 
but I like uh, but yeah it was an interesting premise um, especially like the beginning when uh, you know you realize that she's her husband's been missing on this mission for a year and then he just walks into their house right like it's nothing like in street clothes and even like his like military commanders I guess are unaware that he's there it's all very where the hell did he come from type mm-hmm. of thing so it's very strange and bizarre right from the get go right okay so are we ready to share our three three things I think so I've okay. got my three. All right. I guess I will go first. Correct. All right. So uh, my first th- of our my f- three favorite things about this movie is I'm just going to say when they go into the shimmer, uh, the kind of the creature designs, mm-hmm. you know, because you see some weird stuff um, from the kind of first creature that I remember seeing. They'd see that white alligator, uh, you know, that they, they got a fight and it, they find it after they kill it. It's got like, you know shark's teeth in it or something right Con- multiple rows, rows of, of concentric teeth. teeth yep um there are those antelope things with flower antlers right those were those are pretty um even the the the, the scary uh, bear monster yes uh is is pretty i mean it's it's definitely Scream scary bear. and uh and intense and uh, and then there are also the like the those flower plants those plants that grow in the shape outline shape of people yeah you know uh was that was definitely trippy um so yeah just kind of everything that and just the look of the things that you run into in the in the shimmer or area x or whatever you want to call it were um and even if you weren't really too sure what the hell was going on um those things were were cool to look at right right that was one of my three things sort of it was the scenery Okay. Um, I thought this is everything is very vivid, almost too vivid. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's it's that point where you see things and they're so vivid that you kind of feel like perhaps something's wrong with you. That things shouldn't be that vivid. Um, crazy bright colors. The flowers are alive. Um, I mean, I know plants are alive for anybody out there, but like they're moving. Yeah. You know, they shift. Um, their colors are super bright. Um, there's a point where they've got a concrete wall um, to this building that they go to stay in, and there's moss on it, and it ripples. The moss is moving on the wall. See, I thought that might be like mold. That's yeah. what it looked like to me. Okay. I, I thought but it was maybe, moss. Who knows, yeah. Um, and so, like, it, everything is just kind of got this... Um, beautiful but unsettling feature to it. So you look at this, you know, concrete wall, and you've seen like ivy climbing yeah. over fences and walls before, and it's really beautiful. But here you have plant life over a concrete wall, and it's moving. You know, so it's kind, of, it's disturbing at the same time. Um, and then there's a moment where they have they're walking into a pool. Oh, an yeah. empty pool, mm-hmm. and essentially there is a skeleton there. Yeah, but and um, it and it almost looked like it's been like exploded onto the back wall. Because wasn't he sitting on it? You see his legs, and it was like he was sitting on a chair. I don't even know. I couldn't quite get my head around it. Yeah, but but then it's all green, and there's flowers and vines and growing. So it's like super creepy and you're like unsettled by it but yeah. then you're also like you can't look away because your brain is trying to make sense of what you're seeing and it's you know there's there's greenery and 
flower, you know, budding flowers coming out of it. And you're kind of like, I can't, I can't Mm. decide if this is super disturbing or super beautiful or somewhere in between. Very, yeah, grotesque. Yeah. Because, you know, his, the guy's like distorted, like blown apart skull Mm -hmm. was at the top. Yeah, that way vegetative, far away. Away from the rest of his body that you could kind of make out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could definitely make out his legs sticking out. And yeah. then everything else is kind of blown out with by the vegetation. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, and then you have the plants that are shaped like people. And you can't decide, like... And you are... had a theory in the movie about those. Um, yeah, like, well, you couldn't decide first if those were plants that were shaped like people. Mm-hmm. Or if they were people that had become plants because part of the um, the discovery of the team in the Shimmer is that um, essentially genetic information is getting refracted throughout where the Shimmer is. And so you've got it, you've got plant and animal life, like DNA and expression combining in super bizarre ways and it's literally changing cells of the living things through you know while they're still alive and and that's something that is explored quite a bit um at one point in time lena natalie natalie portman's character is like looking at her own um cells under a microscope and she's watching them divide but they're shimmering now and they're changing Mm -hmm. and so she she can feel she talks about she can feel it's changing her you know as they are progressing so um you want to see more of this like oh the crystal trees like at the as they reach the lighthouse oh right yeah um it's like i wanted to keep looking like i wanted the camera to keep panning and seeing what else was there? But at the same time, I was also afraid to because so much of it is creepy and it's unsettling and it's disturbing. And you're kind of like, ooh, I'm kind of afraid to see what's behind that tree. Yeah. And yet, I really, really need to because it's so beautiful. Okay. And is, is that also, I'm assuming that's one of your... Yeah, that was my, that was, that was one of them, yes. Okay. Well... Don't worry, I'm pretty certain that we're not going to cross-pollinate on favorite things the rest of the way. Okay. So, yeah, because I, as I've mentioned, as you could probably tell, as we've talked about this, I found this movie kind of confusing, mm-hmm. you know, um, and narratively, it's kind of rough to follow, um, and, you know, sometimes I'm kind of not clear what what's, what's going on, <laughs> um, and so... But intermixed between um, the that during the the trip through the shimmer, as they're trying to get to the, they're trying to get to that lighthouse, which is where it looks like an asteroid hits there, and that's kind of where it's implied that everything started from. Um, there is like a couple three just really shockingly violent things that happen. <laughs> yes. So, and one of them, and I'm actually going to say that these are my favorite parts because um, in a movie where I feel like the narrative isn't very clear or cohesive, that these handful of kind of grotesque, shocking, generally shocking moments ended up being the most interesting for me. <laughs> so they're uh, at the the place where we just talked about where the swimming pool is and they find that body that's like a, a, a place inside the shimmer where um, Natalie Portman, where Lena's husband and his team when they had gone to the shimmer they had stayed there 
You know, they found supplies and stuff there. They also found like uh, a video that they had recorded, and it is harrowing to watch this video as they cut open one of their own guys, like they cut open his stomach, mm-hmm. and then you can see inside his body like some something slithering about, right in his guts. And I can remember kind of glancing over of the corner of my eye and um, the person sitting next to me just, you know, co- like covering her face and just like, like you know, just a right. mouth agape as it is, oh, it is unsettling. And then, it's, but it's also kind of undercut by, uh, uh, is it uh, Gina Torres? Mm-hmm. Is that the actress's name? Gina Rodriguez. Rodriguez, I'm sorry. Um uh, her character like slapping that the camera was like okay we don't need to watch that anymore I know, you know? <laughs> all done <laughs> all done you know because she was a uh, she was like a paramedic she was paramedic she's like ah I've seen crazy stuff like that all the time it's, it, she just had so, immediately in her mind there was she was able to she was like logically it's not what it is mm-hmm. and I don't want to think about it anymore and so but yeah just this first real moment of just harrowing you know grotesque craziness right. They are they are very startling counterpoints to a movie that otherwise be like just as you start to get lulled into a sense of suspense and but general like oh, okay this is movies tripping me out but okay okay and then there's this you're right it's like kind of this startling moment where you're like whoa wait a minute you're right so. That's it. Oh, uh, that's really that was it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, My second one um, was the soundtrack, the score. Oh yeah. This score um, is basically set up with only five notes. Oh yeah. And it is deeply, deeply like you are. It brings out every emotion because you can feel it. It's visceral. Like one of the notes is a very low note Mm -hmm. and it just kind of resonates in you and you can almost vibrate with it. Um, And it is this weirdly psychedelic sound that is both crazy dissonant. The notes don't go together and yet they do. Um, there, but there's a weird kind of harmony that comes out of it when they're all being played together and in, in, in different orders. And, uh-huh. um, so I thought that the music reflected exactly what this movie represented in that it is both captivating and yet deeply unsettling. Um, and you know, full of mystery and there's, it did just fit the movie. I thought perfectly Mm. and they play it very loudly. It's got this stark contrast, um, until you get to the moment at the end where Lena is battling kind of this glob that's trying to be (laughs) her doppel, that's trying to become our doppelganger almost. Um, and then it cuts out entirely and it's all silent. Yeah. And then the music comes back. Oh, it's, it was it was crazy and good, and I really liked it. Yeah, in the time and a little bit that I've kind of 
been thinking about the this movie after we saw it i can i noticed that that one the the loud note mm-hmm. you know wah, or whatever i can't i can't intimate, Im, imitate it good <laughs> enough but that one note and it's and you hear it in the trailer right uh it keeps is in the back of my mind every anytime i kind of been you know kind of thinking about this movie since we saw it mm-hmm. yeah you can still almost hear it in your in your head yeah so okay so my last one is the uh, the aforementioned uh, scary bear. Oh yeah, screen bear, screen bear, or parrot bear. Uh, it's uh, this creature. It uh, at one point it drags off one of the women, Cass, in, Cass, into the night, into the forest. Uh, they find her body later. Um, but then, like the next night, um, you hear what sounds like Cass screaming. I know. And this bear creature, apparently, I don't know if it's just, it's not really explained, it's just, but you just kind of implied that it can, you know, imitate sounds that it hears. And so it sounds like it is imitating the, the, the scream of this woman. And so this big, hulking, teeth-gnashing, gross... Skull bear. Skull bearded creature is like coming around coming through the building that they're in and just also like peeling out this haunting you know scream this woman's scream intermixed with it like it's growl and and then there's like you know a fight with the creature and it's really bloody and gross and people get chewed up and but then it's really quick too so it's like yeah you kind of see it again it's a stark moment Mm -hmm. of craziness and violence interspersed between these then, other moments yeah so i mean that, but yeah that scene it's and it's yeah i don't know i, I can't run out of adjectives to describe it because it is <laughs> because it is super intense because mm-hmm. like some of the women are been tied up into chairs and so it's like kind of coming up to them you know right up I mean, like right in their faces uh before like finally somebody gets a gun and starts you know letting the bullets fly and everybody's yeah but yeah, it is probably might be the most intense moment, right, of the movie and scary. And that sound that that thing makes uh, was crazy. Oh, yeah, haunting. Yeah, they. Um, uh, one of the th- the pieces I read about it is so. Um, Anya, the, the pl- character played by Gina Rodriguez, okay, is um, she's kind of she's losing it. You know, they're all kind of in this movie. They walk in, and um, kind of the first thing that happens in the the part, the act two of the movie where they enter the shimmer, um, is they immediately like they lose uh, several days. Yeah. Like they wake up, their tents are pitched. There's clearly a camp, but nobody remembers getting there, pitching their tents, or anything about what happens. And they're missing food. Right. They're miss- yeah, so about four days worth of food is mm-hmm. what she says. And so then, um, you know, then you have Cass dying, you have the weird video, and Anya, the paramedic, is starts losing it. And so she knocks all three of them out, the other three that are there, ties him to the chair, gags him, and is like, she knows she's losing it, but she's also trying to figure out, like, what's going on and who of the other three are hiding things from her and are mm-hmm. keeping secrets. And she talks about her, like her hands. She can see things moving between her around 
under her skin and it even kind of shows it for a brief moment. So yeah, so that's how they end up tied to the chairs right. and and uh, yeah, she she's losing it. <laughs> they, well, they they all are. I yeah. Mean, to some degree. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, I think what I'm assuming if that's just what kind of the movie is intended to be is like mm-hmm. the different ways people kind of descend into madness. You know, I don't know. Well, it was interesting. Um, Garland said that the movie was about self destruction. Okay. And that is kind of underscored by various characters in the movie. Um, so there's a guy, the guy who, whose stomach actually, you know, Oscar Isaac cuts into right. on his, uh, left arm. He has a snake tattoo. It's mm-hmm. a, it's an, in an, in an infinity and it's the snake eating its tail. Right. And he has that tattoo on his arm. Um, at the end of the movie, Lena has that tattoo. Yeah. On I noticed her that arm. too. Cause she didn't before. Right. Yeah. And, um, so he had talked about this being about self-destruction. And so you kind of see through this idea of kind of your genetic structure mutating and changing and being recreated mm-hmm. that there's that they, you watch them slowly, but surely self-destruct, I think. Okay. So, um, well, so my third thing was Alex Garland's ability to create a moving, a movie that is so beautiful and so unsettling at the same time. And he did this with Ex Machina too. Right. Like, I remember do, having the exact same emotions of, I can't turn this off because I need to see what is coming next and what's going to happen. Oh, I can't believe that that is what happened. Yeah. But I can't, I can't stop because it is so compelling. And he did it again in this one. Um, for me, um, this was like, it, it's like when you're dreaming and you know you're dreaming, mm-hmm. and it's not a good dream. Like it's not quite a nightmare, <laughs> no. but it's not a good dream. But it's also like you kind of want to see it play out to the end, you know. So like you're still letting yourself surf this dream, even though it's not necessarily um, a super good dream where you're like, "Yay, this is." Everything that, you know, I'm going to wake up super happy and fluffy in the morning. Right. Um, you know, because you start and it, and the juxtaposition of these like beautiful, vivid colors with this kind of shocking like death or violence that happens and then goes back to beautiful colors. Yeah. And something shocking happens again. Um, you know, it is this constant tension between scary and beautiful yeah and that blends into compelling for me like you feel compelled to keep going and to try and understand it mm-hmm. which i i only understand it i feel a little bit more after having read about it um but you just see it you know with the skeleton, which we talked to in the pool, which is super disturbing and unsettling, but then still kind of pretty with all of the greenery and the life that's there. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Cass, the woman who dies from the bear, yeah. you know, and then, um, and then the bear coming back in and roaring with her scream. 
mixed in for the mixed into it like there's yeah. a, that her scream is there like that is so creepy um and it's got like the bears it part of its head and face is a skull like it's yeah. almost like it fully hasn't grown in so it can't see them at all um super weird and then you have tessa thompson's character who we haven't talked much about yeah. um tessa thompson plays josie who is a physicist um and near the beginning of the movie um cass actually begins to talk about how um all five of them going in are damaged goods yeah you know she talks about how she had lost a child and that she's no longer this that two people died the person her daughter and the person she was before Mm -hmm. you know and then you have anya who is super kind of over the top bravado find out she's struggling with addiction yep um, so Tessa Thompson's character, Josie, um, you find out that she's a cutter, that she's been cutting. Right. And um, an oh, inter- she wears sleeves. She wears long sleeves, sleeves all the time. time. And it's interesting because um, Lena says, um, oh, she's, sui- she's suicidal. And Cass says, no, I think it's to feel alive. Yeah. You know, that she does it to feel alive. And so Tessa Thompson's character at one point... Um, you know, it's the morning after Anya has tied them to the chair and Scream Bear comes in and kills her. And she is just kind of spaced out. She's vague. But she says this super interesting thing. She told she talks about how Ven- uh, Ventress, the psychologist, played yep. by Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, unrecognizable. Oh, she's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, how Ventress wants to face it whatever it is and that lena wants to fight it and that tessa thompson's character just wants to accept it right and all of a sudden it starts flashing to her arms you can kind of see at one point in time the remnants of scars on one of her forearms but what's really captivating is that there are like leaves sprouting from her skin yeah and almost vines moving underneath of her skin and she just kind of gets up and walks away into all the greenery and you kind of see another moment where there's more greenery and flowers coming out and then she's just gone yeah it just almost vanishes right and you're like did she become a tree no did she become one of the plant for people people? shaped plants things you you just don't don't know know. but like she just kind of accepts her transition and then she goes away yeah and that is it is really again unsettling because it's not scary i didn't see a lot of these parts that were scary um there's definitely parts that are startling Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then there are parts that are disturbing but it's not really scary it's just unsettling yeah um so it's just a really interesting it, it it was an interesting movie that I walked out of saying I am not sure what I just watched. Correct. <laughs> um but I but I think that's what I liked about it. Yeah. In that I'm still thinking about it. I'm still intrigued about reading about it. Um I've read several things online about the differences between the movie and the book. And um, I think I'll probably get the book yeah. and read. Um, okay. It's a trilogy, actually. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it is an interesting kind of take on maybe a, maybe a bit about self-destruction or the randomness of like cell mutation and the creation of kind of like new forms of life. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's a line again where Ventress, they're, ta- they're looking at something happening. I think it's when they're looking at the, uh, the weird crocodile with concentric teeth. And at one point in time, the Ventress says, it's destroying everything, you know, about the shimmer. Mm-hmm. And um, Lena replies, it's not destroying, it's making something new. And that's an interesting idea, because that's what kind of what this movie is more about. It's about new things are being made. And that's not that that seems to be bad for the humans involved (laughs) um but it's also capable of creating really beautiful things yeah um and then i you know i actually read something else that said that this was about a metaphor for cancer and why that it was so appropriate that five women went in since breast cancer is the leading cause of death um but just the different ways that people get deal with cancer and the different ways cancer can kill you yeah you can fight it you can face it you can accept it um it can sometimes come out of the blue and kill you (laughs) um you know how are you remembered so in Cass's case everybody what everybody ends up leaving the memory of her ends up being kind of re-embodied in the scream of the bear so it was just an interesting interesting read so i feel like this is a movie that i'm gonna want to eventually see again but probably in the daylight okay not late at night um so yeah so i just i was i found it very compelling and for that reason i i liked it Mm. and even then i can't say i liked it but i can say that um it's very thought-provoking for me okay that's all that's good um, <laughs> i i so this i have trouble saying that i don't like it because it's not a bad movie <laughs> right it's uh it's not badly made it's not poorly filmed it's actually quite exceptionally filmed and you know the actors aren't bad um you know effects are are really good yeah. um you know everything all those kind of those parts of of uh, of a movie are all good to great but that being said at the end of the day i was like this is not it's not anything for me that i feel a a need to go see again right uh now i don't need a movie to spoon feed me you know a plot Mm -hmm. and actually i kind of don't like movies that do do that but that being said it's just i don't know it's just i mean tell me a story that you know at the end of the day, when I walk out of the theater, I'm like, so what happens? Right. You know, I don't I don't want to have to go do additional research <laughs> to know what happens. <laughs> so I mean, that's and that's just and that, that's just and, and that's just, you know, a, a personal movie taste, I feel. Um, uh, I like that. I mean, I think it's great that this movie got made this way. Mm-hmm. I'm all for, you know 
weirdness, taking big swings, taking a chance, doing something different. I mean, they, they all can't and shouldn't be superheroes. Right. You know, uh, so I'm glad it got me. And there apparently was um, like a, one of the producers tried to get them to change it a bit because they did a, a test screening that didn't go well. I was like, ah, well, we got to we gotta make some changes here, you know. And like one of the other producers kind of fought for the director's initial like idea. It's like, no, this is more this is- important that we keep it the way it is, you know. Uh, and so I'm glad that they did that. Right. You know? That's a bold move. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. I guess I just... It's just a style of movie that I feel isn't isn't for me. There's certain types of science. I mean, I love science fiction. Um, I don't want, trying to th- it just escaped my mind. I had an example of a science fiction movie I saw back in the '90s or early 2000s that I was really looking forward to, and I saw it, and I came out of that, and I was like, "What the h was this?" <laughs> and I've never seen it again. But but anyway, so that's I guess that's our two uh, takes on it. Yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, definitely uh, check it out if you if anything we've said sounds intriguing to you, right? Because it will, it's it's, uh, it's not boring. No, that is for sure. It is not boring. Yeah, you will. There is enough suspense and kind of just overall ambiguity that yeah. it kind for me that's what pulled me along and was compelling for me. Yeah, and it sounds like for you that was kind of the piece that was less yes exciting or that's the part that kind of turned you off it felt yeah it felt like uh i don't if it's some parts of it it was like trying to trying to keep up plot wise or narrative wise felt like a chore (laughs) Um, also uh i i made uh as we left the theater i i made the comment that i couldn't decide if i either now needed um some cannabis (laughs) <laughs> or if I needed it beforehand. So Yeah. So just a uh, food for thought. I definitely would say if you went and saw this movie under the influence of any sort of like mood altering substance, mm-hmm. it would probably be terrifying. That could be. That could I mean, be. that's my bet. Yeah. So, but anyway, it, it was, it had a similar feel to me as Ex Machina. Yeah, so. it had a very similar tone, mm-hmm. I feel, and feel and look. Um, but for me, uh, Ex Machina made narrative sense. I was never confused about what was going on or what happens at the end or or anything or what it was about. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that was the, that's the big difference for me. Yeah. I will say it gave me the same feeling at the end, though, because at the end of Ex Machina, I'm both horrified and... <laughs> like totally like just captivated and uh-huh. like definitely had a crazy like what is happening that and, can't really and, be the end and, and oh my goodness and, and now what would happen and now right. what happens next what happens yeah. next and yeah. i definitely got that same feeling at the end mm-hmm. of this of kind of like being like it wasn't a happy ending no necessarily and so i was like wait what and then that's how the movie and then the movie's done and you're kind of like it's uh, almost like that that is not an ending what happens next yeah so okay so but there is no plans to make this into a trilogy 
no. like the books. I, Alex Garland had said he only read the first book and he made this movie. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. um, I guess I uh, want to go into anything about dislikes, things we didn't like about it. Sure. Go for it. Well, other than the, the stuff I already kind of mentioned, um, one thing that kind of got to me and what, um, and the science is, uh, you know, go into the shimmer and they immediately have, you know, like I said, they, it's very trippy. They lose time. And especially it struck me when they saw the stuff moving on the wall, which to me looked like mold. And I'd kind of been thinking, you know, and I realize it's a movie and you've hired famous people to be in the, your movie. You want to be able to see their faces. But why wouldn't they be in like full body biohazard suits going into this alien environment i mean they talk about how they send drones in that never come back how do they know that like there's not something in the atmosphere something in the air or something right they've sent in a bunch of other teams prior to them never going came in. back except for the one husband who just showed up out of nowhere at her at uh, natalie portman's right. doorstep and you find out that he's like a weird doppelganger yeah so that that kind of like logic, oh, kind of bothered me throughout. It's like you know that the mold that's rippling on the wall, you know, that could be super virus dead. You know, you, <laughs> why wouldn't they have some sort of containment suit or oxygen mask or something to protect them in that way? They're just, I mean, they are just in you know military fatigues with a gun over their shoulder. It seems, I don't know, that kind of bothered me. Um, and then other than the just you know the the narrative confusion mm-hmm. that I experienced, I think that's probably the, the only other biggest thing. How about you? Um, so initially, I think the thing I didn't like is that there was there's this kind of random segue in the middle, like cut to um, what you find out is Lena having an affair. With a coworker, yeah, who's also married, uh-huh. and it's it doesn't really make sense, you know, in the con- like to me, and it didn't make sense in the context. I mm. suppose it was like representing, you know, if this is about self destruction, it's about kind of like her self destructing or her destroying yeah. her marriage or that her self destruction started before she ever stepped into the shimmer, right. You know, um, and so it just was kind of, but it was, it was jarring in a different way than other parts of the movie were. Mm -hmm. So it just, I didn't understand it necessarily. Um, and then the only thing I said that I didn't like, but I also really liked, it was kind of the, you know, a dual conflicting piece was just the ambiguous, ambiguous, unsettling nature of the movie. Yeah. Um, it is... It w- it, yeah. I think... And I... Part of me likes movies that are conflicting like this. Um, I tend to like mm. them more than I dislike them. Because I like things that really make me... That provoke a lot of thought in me. Yeah. Um, so. So I guess I liked it. I liked that <laughs> I didn't like... If, if people out there could see the look on your face when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> So, but overall, I, I overall, I thought this movie this movie was much better than I thought it was going to be. 
Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't really have an expectation. I think I might have been worried that it was going to be kind of deeply, like a really deep, hard-to-follow movie. I think I had that worry. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe that has some sort of effect in my ultimate uh, opinion on it. But, hmm. but yeah, that's... Uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say for as far as, as dislikes go. Okay. Um, so, other things. Uh, you mentioned that... Um, one thing I did want to bring up is uh, you mentioned that this was based on books. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even talked about this after the after the movie. Uh, and I got this initially from a different podcast that I listened to called Binge, Mo- Binge Mode. Uh, well, uh, Mallory Rubin and uh, Jason Concepcion were talking about this movie and how... Um, the characters played by Natalie Portman and I think it's Jennifer Jason Lee in the books are um, Natalie Portman's character is supposed to be Asian and Jennifer right. Jason Lee is supposed to be these like half Native American uh, and you know there's a, there's definitely a conversation going on and especially in Hollywood as far as the the whitewashing mm-hmm. of uh, of characters especially stuff that are adapted from previous things books or comics or what have you uh, so but to to uh, Alex Garland's, uh, I know I shouldn't say credit, but at least to bring up his point is that apparently in that first book, um, as you even mentioned that uh, um, Natalie Portman's character is even mentioned by name. There are no names. There are no names. So her ethnicity isn't revealed until the second book. Right. Alex Garland has said, I never read that one, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, you know, I just, this was the book I read and that the screenplay had been written, and I think they were already casting when the second book was published. Right. That the second bit I got from IMDb. So I found I found that like an interesting, you know, that one the conversation, especially after like Ghost in the Shell and uh, came out last year, and right. other examples of that. That this happens again, um, but you know, maybe this time there's you know a ex, you know. Excuse, I don't know if that's the right word for mm-hmm. it, but but anyway, something to think about, I guess. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too, um, but I also thought this was an interesting component of. You're right, like so there are no names, and in the books, they don't talk. There's no backstory at all of any of the characters except for the biologist. Oh, is, um, the, is the affair in the book, or do you? Or I, I don't, don't know about that, but they talk about how. Like the the other characters, that, yeah, they don't have names, uh-huh. um, and they don't have the same type of backstory that they give in the film, you know, where they're all slightly damaged, um, or they all have issues that they're working through. None of that is addressed in the book. Huh. So, um, so it is an interesting component, and I guess part of me would say, I would, I also appreciate that that there was so much diversity in a in this movie especially if he didn't have any ethnicities to go by right that he chose that, to yeah. still have two of the five women be people of color people of color po da- i mean i call him Poe dameron yes, oscar, oscar isaac is guatemalan right uh, so so really and then and, uh, um uh, benedict wong right so of the yeah. essentially seven, eight characters have speaking lines, mm-hmm. um, really one, two, three, four, five of them are people of color. color so. so that is 
in some ways to me that's a sign of progress yeah i would agree with that also i always like uh especially in in movies like this now that aren't part of a big franchise you can look at them and say ah so this movie starred um yeah um it starred valkyrie right from thor it starred Wong from uh, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It starred uh, Jane Foster from Thor, mm-hmm. uh, who was apparently married to Poe Dameron. Right. Or you could look at it as uh, Amidala uh, is a uh, cradle robber being married to Poe Dameron. Because <laughs> she would have to be way older. Way to bring it all back to your... Uh, to Star Wars. To Star Wars. Right. Well done, babe. Well done. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Any other interesting trivia or uh, no? That's all I I really have. The uh, the story about the books and the ethnicities of the characters mm-hmm. was what I found interesting. Mm, cool. Um, I thought one interesting thing that I that I read about. I mean, other than the other things I've already talked about, was um, in the, ho- the house that Lena is in at the start of the movie. Her house. Her house, okay. right? It's the house sure. that she shares with her husband. And uh-huh. um, that is the same house as the house that they end up tied up in in the shimmer. Like, oh. that house is the same. Okay. I thought that was, like, super right. fascinating. They yep. just changed. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, just changed this. Use the same set. Just right. Made it looked different, yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I've already talked about many of the other things that I've read about that I found interesting in terms of the trivia, in terms of it being a metaphor for self-destruction yeah. or a metaphor for cancer, battling you, cancer. You said something uh, the other night about, you looked up about like three kind of like what this says about the three books, like in like in a nutshell, mm-hmm. like, you know, the first book, interesting, second book, uh, and then third book, what the fuck? Right. Like, something, <laughs> something like that. I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, everything I've read was pretty interesting um, in reference to the three books. And then um, there's several um, articles out there that refer to, that are very specific, like differences between the book and the movie. Yeah. And um, and they're very interesting. Like, after doing this, I'm probably, I would say I am less anxious about Ready Player One. Because I know last week we talked about how upset right. I was uh-huh. about them taking perfectly good source material and mm-hmm. changing it and me being really upset about it. And yet this week I'm totally okay so far yeah. with everything I've read about the changes between the movie and the book. Actually, one thing I was going to bring up earlier during movie news stuff was that I read it, an, an article uh, that invo- with... Uh, the author of Ready Player One, mm-hmm. who what he was involved in writing the screenplay for the movie. He's one of the credited screenwriters for the mm-hmm. movie. I found this really interesting. It's an extra little trivia thing, I guess, is that when he did the first like go through of the screenplay, it was before Spielberg was on board. And there's a scene, there's a part in the book where there's a that involves a, a dance club. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I'll just leave it at that. And he left it out. Because he essentially, like, as he was working on the screenplay, it was, like, kind of been told by studio people, yeah, I don't think we can pull that one off. That scene will be a nightmare and crazy expensive. So he's like, okay, I think I can do something where we don't where we don't need it. And left it out of the screenplay. Spielberg comes on board 
uh, reads the book, reads the screenplay, and goes to R.L. Klein, Klein mm-hmm. is his last name. He's like, why'd you leave that out? Right. We are doing that. So. I know. You talked about that last week, and then also how Spielberg didn't want to put any of the references to his own movies, movies in it. it. Yeah. So, yeah. But I just know that last week I was really just adamant that if you've got great source material, you don't need to, like, completely change everything. And then here this week, um, I haven't read the book yet, yeah. but I've read a lot of things where they compare the two, and I am I'm not upset about it. Okay. So we'll see. Right. We'll see. Okay, so uh, next week, um, I know we might have some scheduling issues if we're going to go back into a theater. Right. Um, the big movie that's going to be in theaters next week is uh, A Wrinkle in Time. I know. So I don't know what you how you felt about that, if that's something you really wanted to try to see, or if we just try to watch something at home. I feel like that is definitely a movie that we need to see okay. and do a podcast on. Okay. So, so I don't know if it'll be next weekend just because of our right. scheduling no things, right. but I think it would be pretty cool. Okay. Well, we'll try to make that happen if this week. If not, then perhaps the following week. It's not a lot of coming out before, like, before the end of March. Like the Pacific Rim comes out at the end of in March. March. And then, yeah. So. so, okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast uh, on Annihilation. Oh, I was going to say also, I'm looking forward to Binge Mode. They did an episode on Annihilation. Oh. So I'm going to listen to that. Um, so uh, if you have any thoughts on this movie or any other movies we've done, uh, let, let us know what you think. You can email us at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, or Apple Podcasts. Or subscribe to us on those platforms and maybe even rate and or review us. Yes, that, that would, would be, be awesome. Great. I'd love to, love to see a review on iTunes. Shoot us an email again. Let us know what you think. Suggest a beer for us in the future. And, uh, yeah, until uh, next week when we might be talking about A Wrinkle in Time. Why don't everybody get out there and... uh, Go see a movie. Exactly. Thanks, everyone.